Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. This is a podcast on the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com. Super Movie Brothers, episode 138. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. Hey, Jay. It's been one week since you looked at me. Got your head to the sides and I'm angry. So what have you been getting down to this week, man? What were you up to? Well, I actually got to a comedy show, and it was uh, an okay time. It was uh, at a little cafe in Bristol Borough. I bought the ticket like over a month ago, just on a whim, I saw our brewery, uh, Broken Goblet, was pouring there, and I just didn't know anybody else that was going per se. And I just who was the of, comedian? There was just random six people. Okay, um, some were in New, from New York, some were from Delaware County. One guy was local. He was my favorite one, actually, um, from the Croydon area. And well, if you're from Croydon, you've seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, but that's it, what it comes down to. Right. You're, you're from Croydon. You've seen some shit. It was interesting, though. It was it was really interesting to see, you know, some of the newbies, some of the veterans, and and how the comedy lands, and sometimes how it doesn't. And goddamn, it's got to be a hard hard gig, you know, to come up with new material all the time. Maybe they recycle old materials. A lot of times um, they do. A lot but, of times they they use the same material over and over again, and they they're, they're trying to perfect it. Yeah. with a new audience. It's every a fascinating time, so. world, though. Oh, and, it is. And it really is. And and you know, two of these guys that were in the audience were just kind of like a little bit of dickheads, right? Right from the get go in the opening host act, and right from there, every single fucking comedian. Just got on them. them. Yeah, every them. single one. They came up. They like, like almost like they're a part of the show. Oh, good. <laughs> but it, it was, it was, it was still kind of enjoyable. You don't, you, you don't do that. A, a lot of times, like a heckle, like here and there, like like a one-off thing. They're not going to get too mad at. But if you keep constantly doing it, they will get pissed off. Right, and I think it was just, uh, it, I think it was kind of payback. Yeah. Because the one guy literally just cut in and fucked up her whole punchline of the joke like she was like setting up to a like a good you know and nice. and and just completely ruined it well, all right. and just took her off the flow and she was and, and you know i tried my hand at stand-up comedy it before it didn't go well <laughs> there's it, it, nobody starts yeah. off doing well there's I a mean, place uh there's a place in philadelphia it's called the comedy cabaret it's actually it, it's it uh, every wednesday night they do like an open mic night and me and mark dickerson uh, you know who does movie cocktails with us of the uh, cult movie cult podcast? How me, was I not there? Me and him, me and him used to. Oh, this is this is back when oh, we were okay. in our early twenties. Me and him went there, and I remember like I like my entire like routine. Like I wrote it while I was sitting there. I I, I had no plan on going up there, but Mark okay. Mark was like he was going to go up there, and I was like, well, damn man, if he's going to put himself out there like that, neither of us were funny though. Like neither of us. The funniest part of that night was not either of our stand up routines. It was when I. I was out back drinking a beer. There was a raccoon in the dumpster and I started fucking with that raccoon. Everyone started laughing because me and that raccoon were like hissing and like back and forth at each other. You stupid raccoon. Don't call me a raccoon. I'm sorry. I took it too far. 
I meant trash panda. Everyone's like, man, he's really drunk. And I was like, I yeah, can visualize that. I am. <laughs> I am really drunk. It's <laughs> exactly why this is happening. Yeah, I was not funny. I can't even remember like any of the jokes that I said. But what I know is I think I realized at that point, like just because a bunch of your friends tell you you're a funny guy, that doesn't mean you can stand up there and be funny. <laughs> you can. I mean, it depends. It no. takes practice. That's really what it is. It, I think a lot of people it also don't takes, realize it takes a lot more prep. I, than they realize. I think it takes a whole lot more than that. There, there's, there's so much more involved than just, than just rehearsal and repetition. Because you can go up there and be a technically fantastic comedian and still fall, f- and still fall flat. There's, yeah. there is something about the people who do it and do it successfully that, that. I I don't know whether their their brains are wired differently than ours, but I don't, know. I don't think I could ever get up there and do it. Would I Would I try again? Sure, I'd try again, but I I just I don't think I don't think I'm made. Oh, for, yeah. I don't think I, I'm made I, I for want that you to stuff. Try it again. No, I don't think I'm made out of that stuff. <laughs> I'm just not. It's just not me. I'm certainly not. <laughs> uh, and then for me, I I did go to the movie theaters with Logan this weekend. We went and saw How to Train Your Dragon three. Uh, I have a five minute ish review for that coming up later on. And then, um, me and Lauren, we got me a new cell phone because the iPhone that I was using was like three or four years old. It was old as all fucking get out. And my battery was lasting like 20 minutes at a time. It got, it got real bad. So we, we, we went and buying a new cell phone is like buying a car anymore. Like I can't stand it. Like, and I don't want to sound like like an old You're person. There but for a long time, I know. But so like, no, this was relatively quick. But there's there. That's because we our our account was in order and stuff like that. But we went there and I went to go pick out the phone. And they're like, oh yeah, well we do have that phone, but we don't have it. I wanted the five twelve meg uh, five twelve megabytes. They they weren't going to give me the five twelve because they didn't have them on hand. They had to order it from Apple. They told me it'd be two weeks. But they wanted to take my phone, my current phone, right then and there for the trade-in on it. So that way I can get the money off. And I was like, so you want to take my phone from me now? And then tell me I got to wait two weeks for the new phone. I was like, and then what phone do I use in interim? And they're like, well, nothing. And I was like, it's 2019. Nobody goes without a phone. It's true. <laughs> I would I wouldn't even be able to do notes for the show. Like I would be lost. A I pen wouldn't be able pa- to do anything. A pen and paper are so everything foreign. is on my phone. It's foreign to me. I don't even know how to write anymore. Mm. I'm pretty sure I can't even sign my name. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was not going down. So I I didn't I ended up getting the the two fifty six instead, uh, just because I could get it immediately. It's amazing how much I was willing just to cut my megabyte usage in half just to take it home that day. And then I was like, oh, I want the blue. And they're like, we don't have blue on hand. And I was like, how about the red? They're like, not red. I was like, what do you have? And they're like, we have it in black and white. <laughs> I was like, just give me the fucking black one. Uh, it was, but I mean, the, the, I had to sit there and sign like three different pieces of paper, like re-upping my lease agreement. Cause you don't, it, you know, you, you don't go and you don't buy a phone anymore and you don't get like money off towards it. It's a lease agreement now. So now you're, it's basically a car. You're paying, you're paying for that phone until it's paid off. And then even then when it is paid off, you still have to pay off the rest of it. You still have to pay like an extra $200 at the end to make it yours. Or you just trade it in and you get another new phone. Now, that's why I ended up having a pretty quick experience because I had already purchased my phone outside of of going to T-Mobile to, to, to get a new one. I had already purchased that phone. So when I started with, with the new provider, I owned that phone. So now when I traded it in, it's all profit to me because – well, not profit, but it's, you know, it's, it's right. not like I had a lease to pay off. So I got, I got like $90 towards this, this new, you know, iPhone X or 10 or whatever the fuck they're calling it. Um, 
The XR, right? The new one. Yeah, yeah. It's all over yeah, the place. It's, the, it's yeah. the XR. But I said the XR in the store, and they're like, no, it's the 10R. And I was like, pretty sure every commercial says it's XR. And I was like, but you know what? I don't fucking care. Fuck you. Don't care. Just give me my phone. So I've been using it. And, but man, it, it's just, it's, it's just an experience that like, so I had to like leave my phone there. And they're like, all right, write down all your passwords and stuff like that. And I was like, I have pictures on there. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, yeah, yeah, they'll transfer to your new phone. And I was like, yeah, I but you them. have all my pa- – and I'm 100% sure that when we pulled up to, to to go pick up my phone and stuff for all the transfers to be done and everything like that, they were 100% looking at the pictures on my phone. Because when we walked in the door, it was one of those things like you just caught a kid jerking off and they quick like Stop. throw the blank. I'm dead serious. They like they, they like dropped it in the box, closed the box up and like handed it to me. They're like, here you go. And I was like, you were 100% going through my pictures. No way. Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything bad on there picture wise. Um, nothing scandalous, but I mean, still, I, I, I don't want them like looking into my private life and stuff. And they technically have access to all my email well, accounts that's and all I mean, yeah, stuff. It, it could be anything. Yeah, it could be just my Apple wallet. Fraud. And right. Yeah, I mean, so I didn't want to leave it there, but um, I, I never heard that though. They actually wanted your passwords. That never, that, I never yeah, heard because that they, cause, cause they needed to finish the setup for it and stuff like that. And, uh, they told me it was going to take about an hour and a half. They told me it would take. And I was like, I seem to remember it being like pretty instantaneous before. So I, I, I waited like 15 minutes and they're like, no, nah, it's still going. They're like, it's about, it's still about an hour left. And so I, I was always like, did it myself. Yeah. I never had them do anything. And that's before. the thing. Yeah. I did this because it was just easier. You can do it yourself. Um, but it depends on how often you back up your phone. Like I hadn't backed up my phone since 2017. So Get if, the fuck yeah. out of So here. if I went to go back up the phone, oh, I have it on automatic. Yeah. Uh, it was going to take for forever to back it up and then okay. I, so so they just told me to, to go and buy my case and stuff like that because they wanted me to buy the 80 dollar case that they had and i was like no i'll just go to five below and get a case and they're like yeah but those cases are crap and i was like you just accepted my trade-in that phone was in a five below case for the past three or four years with with a five below screen protector on it so you keep your 80 dollars. i'll go spend five bucks on a fucking case and keep this phone pristine with that so we left and but i 100 they were fucking going through my phone dude they were going through my phone i know they were oh yeah <laughs> so now i'm like checking my credit card statements and stuff like that because shit goes down i know exactly who fucking did it <laughs> but i i just hate that whole experience of like going in and buying stuff like that like i i, I dread going to buy a new car because i'm gonna need a new car soon my I, car's on i just last don't leg. like that sales environment no no. They're, they're both very comparable to me. I, I get very angry and, and they very, make you, and they I become make an you, asshole. I, I become very straightforward. That's what I do too. And I'm like, a well, they dickhead. make you feel like shit, right? Like, like they're just like, oh, you're not going to get, the, you're not going to get the uh, five year protection plan. Oh, you're not going to up the insurance. Like, mm, we'll see. And it's like, like, th- that's, that's the type of stuff where they're like, that's you, their sales technique. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> do you want to, do you want to pay an extra $200 right now for, for, uh, oh my God. for, for full replacement insurance and stuff like that? And I was like, no, no, thank you. I take care of my stuff pretty well. And she's like, mm, we'll see. And I w- it's like, I wanted to reach across and like just grab her by the head and start smashing her face into the keyboard and be like, I hope you have the insurance on your face. They fuck you, they fuck you, they fuck you with the cell phone. <laughs> It's how angry I get sometimes. High school shit. Dave would have done that. <laughs> no. At least on the lacrosse field. <laughs> if it was a dude, I would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. That's enough about like what we were doing this week. Let's find out. What are you watching? What are you watching? What are we watching? He's trying to watch some illegal channel. Oh, he's watching. No, no, no. Go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. All right, Jay. What did you get down to watching this week? 
Well, I caught up with a couple Oscar movies that I did not see. Some small little indie films. Uh, one is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, have you seen this one, Dave? I'm not sure. I didn't know. I know it's the Melissa McCarthy one where she yeah. is the- Richard E. Grant, and, and she plays uh, this writer, Lee Israel. Yeah, she, she commits true fraud. Story. She commits right. fraud, she yeah. She commits fraud. She's, she's just down on her luck. She can't write, writer's block, whatever you want to call it. She's a big-time alcoholic. Um, just her and her cat in her life, and that's pretty much it. And then she meets Richard E. Grant. He's kind of like- just a charming, bumbling, flamboyant guy that just has no place. You know, he's just kind of lost in the wind and they become friends and start to become a little bit more uh, than that when they become, you know, partners in crime, essentially, to start fake writing letters uh, from these great authors in the past, like love notes slash uh, apology notes, like little things that different kind of collectors would be extremely interested in, and, and right, and, and then purchase. they and then so they go to auction. Them. They go to auction. Sell yeah, for- she sells them for you know eighty right. bucks, three hundred bucks, whatever. And, and that's fraud, got, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's fraud, <laughs> and it's based on a true story, and it's uh, quite well. I mean, it's really well done because this director, I actually saw her first feature, and. Marielle Heller was fantastic with uh, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, and that was a lot of fun. So I think she's an interesting filmmaker to keep an eye on. And then also I saw At Eternity's Gate. It stars Willem Dafoe playing Da Vinci. Um, No, Vincent Van Gogh. Vincent Van Gogh, sorry. Da Vinci. Jeez, I'm leaving that in. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> it's, My bad. It Willem Dafoe, and he's playing one of one the of four dudes. Ninja Turtles. Yeah. No, he's playing Van Gogh. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but this is actually directed by Julian Schnabel, Schnabel. Dave's favorite. Schnabel. Dave's favorite guy. Schnabel. Because guess what he directed? The diving bell and the butterfly. Of course, schnavel. <laughs> it just this, it just reminds me it, it just reminds me of uh, Thundercats. Snarf, snarf, <laughs> schnarvel. Nah. <laughs> so it, it's it's an, a very very artsy movie. How it's gruesome? Not for everybody. How gruesome into the ear removal do they get into? Like, do they show it like up close? Just him cutting his own ear off? Because that'd be it, it. Would win some points in my book if they did that. I wish they did. They didn't. No. Mm-hmm. And then they they play Steeler's Wheel as he's doing it. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. And he's like cutting his own ear off. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. Shit! Ow! Damn it! <laughs> I didn't think it would hurt that much. <laughs> it, honestly, it's it's not much for the writing or the dialogue. It is a, a really well acted movie from Willem, um, but really it's just beautifully shot. It's just gorgeous to watch. You know, he's it's there's not much words being played out at all. It's just him walking beautiful country fields in the south of France, trying to discover inspiration so for his paintings. The Revenant minus the bear kind of yeah <laughs> no talking and really the, yeah the enemy is his own brain you know did he, he grunt a lot lose his mind <laughs> that's the revenant yeah, in, that, in 30 seconds he's, only when he's jerking off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well that one i wasn't interested but i was interested in seeing can you ever forgive me all right man that's that's great i'm happy you were enjoying both of those at least a little bit uh i haven't gotten out there and i haven't seen too many of the academy films i did see black Klansmen. um i haven't seen vice yet I, I i did see green book that one i did watch right after it won best picture i was like 
bullshit. People were hating on this movie so much. How did this win? So I had to watch it. It's not a bad movie. I just wasn't crazy about the message of that movie. Like, it, it very much... That was the controversy. I understand. That was the, and, and, and that was my problem. Where It's just like, I felt like it was Mahershala Ali's character's story. But he's best supporting actor. And I was like, but it's his story. But fucking white man Jones over here <laughs> gets to throw a few punches, because drink some beers, eat some food, and he's the star. Because <laughs> his boys wrote the script. I know. Not the script, but, or, oh, or a book or something like that. and Or co-writers of the script or something yeah, but, like that. And and that's partially why. It's from the white man's point of view. I understand that. And I and, and, and look. I'm, but I, I reviewed this earlier, and everybody knows. I, I said, like, I give it a high grade. I love the movie. I thought it was perfectly done. It made it look effortless. I don't care. I really enjoyed the movie. I'm not displeased at it won um i but i wasn't blown away like it didn't knock my socks off kind of a, a film no so, it definitely didn't do know. that and i and i didn't think Vigo mortensen was particularly strong in it i think rehearsal ali was but he seems to be just fantastic and fucking everything so he seems, oh, I, I love them both he seems to raise the movie uh every movie he's in up by a couple octaves every time he's in it he's been fantastic yeah, absolutely. And it was directed by Peter Farrelly mm-hmm. of the Farrelly Brothers, as in of There's Something About Mary and Dumb and Dumber. And it's just so weird. And it's like, I know how powerful they are in Hollywood. They have a lot of like friends. It's just it's just strange to see Peter Farrelly like getting away from like those type of movies and going into this. It's almost like Adam McKay doing the same thing that he's kind doing of, over there. Kind of. Um, yeah. Peter Farrelly's been around for a whole lot longer though. But yeah, I was I just wasn't I wasn't crazy about it. I just found it mostly blocked and kind of like a cookie cutter filter of that world i i get that i understand that it's a, this is a crowd pleaser That's exactly but there's definitely better movies that were nominated and we'll get into some of that in the news uh jay other than that i watched anna and the apocalypse <laughs> i was gonna watch the favorite last night and instead I saw that Anna and the Apocalypse was available on demand, and I was like, I'm going to watch that instead. This is a film that came out in, 20, in 2017, and it's kind of like if Shaun of the Dead met Glee. I'll get higher, baby. I'll get higher, baby. I'll get higher, girl. I'll... What's he do? Just say bass or freeze. <laughs> and it's a musical zombie apocalypse film that takes place around Christmas time. And I, I had heard so many good things about it that I went into it wanting to love it. And I'm not sure if hype got killed me on it, but I did really enjoy it. It just wasn't as gut-bustingly funny as everyone said it was. What kind of music? Very, very top 40 type pop. It's a musical, so but yeah. it's very top 40 type. It was it was like Glee. Like that's what I felt like. Okay. It was like Glee. Um but it, they all the, all the songs were were pretty darn good in it. The zombie gore was pretty good and and the story was just very teenage kid, you know, zombie apocalypse. Like you know, the, the main bad guy's the principal, right? Like so like And this came out last year? This came out in 2017. Oh, so wow. yeah, it, it was it's Scottish film, so it was okay. released yeah, it, it flew was under released, my radar. Released overseas. It was released here in 2018 during Christmas time this year, but it was in very select theaters. It was at Nishamani for a Friday and Saturday night and then it was gone. So it was only around us for two nights and then and then it was so, gone. So it was only one of those, the AMC employees actually watched it. Right, probably, right. That's it. 
I mean, I, I did enjoy it a, a lot, but it just wasn't as fantastic as like it was pretty much sold to me. But it, it definitely will make it into like my Christmas movie rotation. Like it's not up there with Gremlins. It's not that good, but I could definitely give it another go a few times. All right, Jay, other than that, me and you got a similar thing that we watched. We both watched True Detective mm-hmm. season three finale. How did you feel about that one? Well, a lot was going on in this one episode. <laughs> a lot. So episodes one through seven, they've been like developing this deep, sticky web of of this mystery. And every time we think we're getting close, the thread gets plucked and we get pulled into another direction. Right. And but it's been really effective also, storytelling. Like four different timelines too yeah. that they just jump around. That has never been confusing with. to me. It never. No, I agree. I agree. It, it didn't confuse me too much, luckily. Um, but still, it gets uh, sometimes annoying especially in his final because they did, they did the same thing in in season one probably less less so but there was only what two different three. timelines there or was three, three. Okay. there was three yeah because you had them when they were younger then you had them being interviewed sort of in the middle and then you had them older and and this was very much the same it, there is there is technically four different timelines but um it, it, it was never confusing to me and i think that honestly went to show a greater character development for each of them by the time we're dealing with steven dorf's character and Mahershala right. ali's character when by they're the very, older yes 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 exactly but by the very end you piece it all together and certain kind of character traits um make sense exactly. later on and and they, they fill in the holes but they fill in all the holes and then sprinkle in a little bit of suspense and mystery at the end. But, but what what I mean, and I don't want to spoil it too much, but Mahershala Ali's character has he has he's suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's or some sort of mm-hmm. uh degenerative brain disorder. And that is the reason why the story's being told the way it is. Cause he's kind of both living in the past and the present at the same time. Right. Which is why the story is the way it is. It's just the use of that towards the end. I wasn't crazy about because it got very. It was a little bit of a cop out. It, it got very Doctor yeah. Manhattan. I had no clue what timeline I'm really dealing with at this point, or or and we had two big big things that that were that were big character moments for Mahershala Ali. His his wife either mm-hmm. passing or leaving, but I'm pretty sure they mentioned she's she's dead. She she died. Yeah, and his daughter leaving. You do not find out what happened with either of them. Right. At all. But you do get to solve the mystery. However, the main character technically doesn't. Because <laughs> he goes there to solve the mystery with the full intent. Yeah, that's blowing, borderline spoiler right there. But <laughs> of blowing this shit wide open. Uh-huh. And he forgets. <laughs> he goes up there and has a little dementia moment. But at the same time, <laughs> it, was fitting. it works. It was, and it's fitting. It was and, fitting. Um, I, I actually I give him a lot of credit. It was very creative. There was, it was just so much going on in this right, episode. But this 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 show that has been each episode's been an hour. This one was seventy five minutes, and they easily could have done this in forty five minutes, and I probably would have because there was just so much filler that was in this episode, and they really just tried to wrap everything well, up as quickly all the, all as All the filler was really just filling in old questions and old holes and all like questions that we had about previous episodes or previous uh, suspects. You can say too, you know, and. and it, 
it was it was it was weird to watch for me. I don't but, know. It just didn't feel like all the other episodes. But what was weird to me is what they chose, what what threads they chose to tie up, and what threads they left open. I'm like, none of that makes sense. Like, why? Like, we we care about the characters at this point more than we actually care about them solving this case. So to not wrap up some right, of their character right. storylines and to leave them wide open, mm-hmm. but to to wrap up these suspects who we knew weren't suspects at all. In there, and at no point there is something where where both Mahershala Ali and Stephen Dorff's character they commit a pretty heinous crime. <laughs> they don't. I won't tell anyone what it is, but they do commit a pretty heinous crime. No comeuppance for that whatsoever. No repercussions for that whatsoever. No one even sniffs around that at all, with the exception of the interview, uh, the the lady who's interviewing him for TV, and yeah. she dropped that back in episode five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that was it. Uh, so, but I mean, it, I don't know. It, it was a disappointing ending, is what it comes down. It was. To. A, it was definitely a little disappointing. Um, I, I give them credit. You know, overall the story, they they they, they went for broke. Still you know? far better than season two of True yes. Detective. Yes, this is still uh, the second. And I'm still in for season. a fourth season. Oh, for sure. I'm still in for sure. I just I, I don't. I'm happy with HBO. They actually said after the fact that they are open to a fourth season. But they're not rushing anything. It's all up to Nick. He has to be completely inspired and and write this whole series again. You know, so maybe one day we will. Maybe five years from now. Maybe never. Yeah, but I mean, we'll see. No matter what, it's 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 well acted. They did a great job with suspense, and they did do a great job of of setting up this mystery and you taking this ride with them. It's just it it, it does leave you unsatisfied in the end. But it was nice seeing Stephen Dorff and Mahershala Ali actually have. Like a proper bond, Steven, you know. Like Stephen Dorff was good. In they this. had like a really, they did a really good, good job. Yeah. yeah, very, very solid, very solid. And yeah, I hope, absolutely. I don't think it was as strong as Woody Harrelson no. and, and Matthew McConaughey. And but it's just that's season, what I mean. No. It's just it was very solid. There was not much confrontation. I mean, the confrontation like that that come comes up, it was very mild. Yeah, and they always just kind of. You know, but this is the reason we got to our top five for this week was top five endings because we got so disappointed by this ending. We just have to move on and remember some good endings that we have gotten. All right, Jay, let's head over and let's get into our news. And now it's time for the news. All right, Jay, we got a couple brief news stories that we're going to be running through before we get into our Oscars talk, because I see that as kind of like movie news, the Oscars. So first up, John Krasinski has confirmed that A Quiet Place 2 is in development, and the release date will be May 15th, 2020. Do you think he's going to be in it? He's directing it. I know that. He's directing it. Uh, uh, I don't think there's there's much confirmation on whether it's going to involve the same family or whether they're going to be following different people. I think I'd rather follow different people this time I'm, around. They've already. I remember when this first got released, they actually said that'd be a great way to follow it up. Yeah, is to follow other different kind of families. I, that story felt pretty pretty closed and felt pretty it felt pretty good given what we were given. So I yeah. wouldn't want to go back to it. But yeah, the, I guess the world itself is 
interesting. I, w- I was never crazy about about the creature design, so I'm hoping they they do something a little bit not 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 different, but like it just seemed very oily, very blobby, and for some reason their face reminded me a lot of Stephen King's The Langoliers, and I never liked The Langoliers. So. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but I'm certainly interested in this. I don't know if this. I know it was a it was a hit, and that's why it warrants a sequel. But I don't know if creatively, if this really needs a sequel at all. You know, sometimes I like horror films, uh, especially ones like this, to just be one-offs, right? Like, Hereditary was a big success this year. Do you want to see Hereditary 2? Is there any interest in that? Not really. There's no. really no story there. Uh, and I, and I kind of feel the same way about A Quiet Place. Look, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, we, we're getting these solid horror movies, original movies. Be thankful. We don't need to have a sequel. Exactly. Just keep bringing up these original movies. Right. I would. I would rather see you know John John Krasinski say like, yeah, that's cool. I have another one. I have another idea. It's kind of in the vein of that, and and let's do this. But it's not. It's not that. But you know, which could be Quiet Place too. It's you know, it could be a completely different kind of tone. It could be a whole different kind of setting, city. Uh, you know, whatever. You don't. We just don't know. We'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm not terribly excited about this, but I get why they're making it. Money, 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 money. Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? <laughs> Next news story. Kevin Feige has confirmed that the Black Widow movie will not be rated R. I never really thought it would. I never, at no point, was I, I ever like... <laughs> Oh, you know, Marvel's going to make a rated R movie. No, because yeah. Disney's already said rated R movies are going to be under the Fox banner. So unless they were going to be releasing Black Widow under the Fox banner, it wasn't going to be rated R. At no point was I ever like, oh, no, oh, maybe it'll be rated R. Why would it be? I, I don't get it. They at all. portrayed the character in umpteenth films in a PG 13 setting. Why would they then change it and make it a super gritty, like, <laughs> blood filled, you know, whatever? Like, yeah, that's, that's sexy, what, that's, steamy. That's <laughs> what Red Sparrow was with right, Jennifer Lawrence. Right. That's and, essentially what that was. And that did so well. <laughs> Actually, financially, it did uh, overseas. Next news story. No one cares about overseas numbers, Jay. Not here. Not in the U.S. of A. Because we're making it great again. <laughs> we have an international crowd, David. We have to cater to all people in the world. Yeah, barely. <laughs> all right. Aquaman's Yaha Abdul-Mateen II has been cast in Jordan Peele's next film, the remake of Candyman, hmm. which I like Candyman. I like Jordan Peele. I don't like remakes. <laughs> I'm not yeah. crazy about it. However, I do feel like this does fall into the category of remakes that you would want to see. Like a, a remake that, that that feels justified. Like it. Or at least from him. Like 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 it felt justified in a remake because sure. it, the, the original one, while while much loved, still. very dated. Yeah. And that's the same thing with Candyman. A much loved horror film, but it feels dated. And, and then you get a visionary like Jordan Peele behind it. You get a guy like that behind it. And it all seems great. It's not anything I asked for, but then it's like, I'm kind of happy that I'm getting it. This actor has a good presence. He really I, I, does. I, I think he did a really good job with Aquaman. You know, we talked about a couple a couple weeks ago, like if they were ever to make like a prequel with Morpheus to the Matrix, who could be him? And I and, and I said Fisher from uh, who played Cyborg sure. in Justice League. He would be a great one too. Yeah, yeah. Why why not Yaha Abdul Mateen the second? Yeah, <laughs> I just love saying that name. <laughs> it's something. I, I'm, I'm surprised that it, it took me as long to learn how to say his name as it lear- as it took me to say <laughs> Chiwetel Ejiofor. <laughs> Oh yeah, 
Chew a motherfucker, what guy? That guy. <laughs> or uh, Kevin Feige, right, Dave? Kevin Ke- Ke- Kevin Kevin Feige. It's funny because I still hear like <laughs> I still like hear like news n- like news outlets saying Kevin Feige or Feige or Feige, yeah. Feig, you know. And it's like I'm pretty sure it's Feige, and like it, it to the point that it confuses me at times. Right. <laughs> All right. Next news story. So, Jay, you might know that there's been a little bit of controversy over Rotten Tomatoes' audience rating system. People have been able to kind of, audiences have been able to kind of like rate films before they even come out. So, Rotten Tomatoes has kind of changed that rule. They have changed how they handle their audience rating scores. What they did was they removed the option for people to be able to put an audience score on anything before a film has come out. So, you won't be able to leave an audience review until the, the the movie's release date it won't stop trolls from trolling but you know i like it because trolls gonna troll this is my daughter at the triathlon today go little girl your daughter has a mustache what the hell is wrong with your ovaries bitch you've been dick slapped but it will stop that that early you know tanked number because the, the twitter negative exactly um, you know the wildfire that just kind of grows and grows and grows but this actually comes people. this comes out of a very specific thing there has been a bunch of people going on there and basically tanking captain marvel's numbers before it comes out mainly in in reaction to a lot of pre larson's comments you know the, a lot of the comments are kind of very anti anti-woman uh very 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 anti-progressive just not all around pc you know they're going on there and they're tanking it for for a lot of that stuff before the film has even come out and it's it's a little surprising to some degree i mean I don't. I, I. I obviously said um, through many of our episodes that I'm not a big fan of this um, trailers. I mean, with the, for the movie. I, However, I'm optimistic. I right. still want to see a good movie. I'm excited to see it. I'm just saying, as far as so far with the marketing material, I haven't been like blown away. I went through, know? and a lot of a, a lot of the early reviews, the comments were that you know Brie Larson is is a B, or Brie Larson's this, or Brie Larson's that, or you know um, this does not jive with with uh how i picture a woman and a lot of it is also dceu lovers who don't like marvel also in there but more so than that some people just don't like women in power more so than that there was a lot of what you were saying the marketing for this looks like shit and you know they've even said like you know the marketing is problematic like they they don't understand you know what's different about it but they understand that the marketing is not catching as many people as they would like it's still projecting huge opening weekend numbers but the marketing for it i think because there's so much in it that is spoilerific that there's not a whole lot that they can show us in trailers plus there's a lot of questions too you know the average movie person doesn't understand why she would punch an old lady right right. you know for example you know so it's like what the hell is going and that's on problematic here, you know? and and i think maybe you know explaining what scrolls are to a general audience beforehand might help it's, but yeah but you know it's it's it was it's tricky it's tricky there's a lot of new things that we're going to be uh taught in this movie to know before endgame either way rotten tomatoes should have made this change long ago true Long before it became a problem in this sense, before it became a, a, a media storm problem, long before it became a political correctness problem, long before that, they should have changed it. You know, for for me, I don't go to Rotten Tomatoes for anything at all. I do once in a while. I don't see the reason to. 
I do out of curiosity once in a while. That's I about it. never do. I I have never I have never been enriched by anything on Rotten Tomatoes. But for the main part, I'm not even reading a review until I've already done my own review. Unless it's a movie I know I don't want to see, then I'll read a review for it. But right. for the most part, I stay away from reviews. I know we review things on this, and I'm not asking people to to agree with me or not agree with me. But I stay away from reviews. I I do prefer to form my own opinion on things. So yeah, no, I understand. All right, next news story. All right, Jay, the Oscars were Sunday night, and this is the first time they didn't have a host. So what were, you know, did did you like them not having a host? Did you feel that it I was... I actually did. I thought it worked pretty well, actually. They, 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 you could tell they very, they, they thought this through quite a bit as far as timing-wise, how to set it up, Ryan Seacrest beforehand uh, being in the show, cut to commercial break, and then boom, Queen's opening up with some some music. Um, Adam Lambert's not the greatest, he's not my favorite kind of uh, singer, but it did bring some energy to life, and then boom, all of a sudden you cut to um, everyone's three favorite girls, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, and Maya Rudolph. Um, See, to me, the show was just- I thought a, it was fine. The show was just as shit with without a host as it was with hosts. I still was not entertained by the show. There was one entertaining moment, and it's when Regina King went to get up to accept her her award. Mm. Her dress got caught, and Captain America swings into the rescue and helps her. Captain, I, lo- I love that. Captain, oh, Captain. Um, but, but for the most part, I, I really found myself only caring about who won and who lost. There were some moments that I can only enjoy by watching it. Like when Olivia Coleman did her acceptance speech, that was charming as all get out. I absolutely oh, yeah. loved it. And I love when she helped it up she goes because this is never happening again <laughs> she and I was is like, hilarious i was like so true well she is hilarious she was doris in hot fuzz i don't quite like a little midnight gobble <laughs> everyone wants a little girl on girl action <laughs> I love her in Hot Fuzz, and uh, I didn't even realize it was her, because Hot Fuzz was so long ago, so I only realized that after I looked it up and I checked her IMDb, and I was like, what else has this lady been in? And I was like, holy shit, she's Doris in Hot Fuzz. I did, like, I enjoy some of the speeches and stuff like that, because of those, because of those little moments that that make you smile make you laugh or even sometimes make you tear up a little bit but as far as the hosting and and who was up there present i didn't give a flying fuck like at all like the show was still boring to me overall they always are i just don't i mean it it is it's an an awkward show it's not like i'm expecting like you know gunfire and fucking fireworks and like can can dancers and all that shit that's what's so surprising to me that after all this time people still critique it so much we're like well it's it's exactly what it is every single year there are tons of people who watch the red carpet and then shut it off (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) absolutely that's it red carpet what's he wearing what's she wearing pretty much my mom yeah it's done I don't care anymore. They're all there for the dresses, you know. But I, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that you that you liked it more. It seems like a lot of people actually did like this whole no host format more, and they are going to probably continue this. I think. I think this is the the, I'm the curious direction. To see what they do with it. I think this is the direction that they're going to be going in. Uh, but as far as some of the winners and stuff like that, I thought that best supporting actress, best supporting actor. I thought both of those were were well earned. There wasn't, it, there was no upset there, right? Right. Um, I've always liked uh, Regina King quite a bit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so you've been seeing her around for so long. Uh, she's still looks I mean. fantastic. She's a, it char- was a great speech. She's a character actress. She is. And, she is. Yeah. And you know, she put in a great performance, and you know, she got rewarded for it. And that's what every that's what every character performer hopes to one day do. 
win a Best Supporting That's Actor true. or Actress nom, nom, uh, award. And then actor and actress, I thought both of them were well, too. Olivia I, Coleman was the big surprise. A lot of people thought Glenn Close was going to win it for the Because wife. she's never won it. Right. She's and it was a, and it was a great performance from an okay movie. And she... But see, you know, I actually celebrate the Academy for that because I have accused the Academy several times of like, you're giving people legacy awards right. for, for bodies of work that not this movie. And sometimes I don't mind that. If the performance really warrants it, right? But but what if but someone's Alan Arkin what if someone else for who, winning for Little Miss Sunshine? It's like, come on, dude. Alan Arkin's great in Little Miss Sunshine. I, I'm Get not saying he's great. Here. This is the voice of experience talking. Are you listening? Fuck a lot of women, Dwayne. Hey, not just one woman. Dad. A lot of women. I'm not saying he's not great. He was he was great, but he didn't really do or have to do any much that that much acting. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He did a fantastic job in not, that movie. Not an Oscar winning performance. You're out. You're out of your mind. Oh my god. You're out of your mind. Please. <laughs> he's Alan Arkin. Get out of here, you crazy bastard. You should have won for the Rocketeer. You fucking nuts. <laughs> Mark Ryan's. I would have seen. I would have rather seen Sylvester Stallone win for Creed over Mark Rylance. Okay. But Rami Malek won for best actor. Okay. And and that I I, I didn't, Which was expected. I, I think that yeah, I think that was expected cuz the only thing in that movie to really like love is Rami Malek's performance. Uh yeah, besides the music. Yeah, I mean that, I mean like I really enjoyed that movie. I really enjoyed the music. Yeah. But the thing to like watch and go like that's that's amazing is Rami Malek's performance so that but, makes sense to me however again I still believe that Bradley Cooper deserved it more than him because he was playing an original musician who was literally performing live on stage Rami was just lip syncing Jay it's not the American fucking music awards it's the Academy Awards it's about acting it's not whether you got up there and strummed the fucking stage four chords over and over again too. you're fucking nuts I'm saying acting too he's better than Rami get off your fucking high horse with that fucking movie everyone forgot about that movie by the time the academy awards came around and so did the academy Jesus, I'm fucking. Still, I'm Christ. still rewatching that performance with him and Lady right. Gaga. Best, uh, <laughs> best adapted screenplay. Black Klansman went to Spike Lee. I think that's earned. I think that's deserved. I think that. Was, yeah. I think that honestly, he probably should have gotten best director, but Alfonso Cuarón uh, also deserved that as well. So, yeah. and I, I was not upset with that win at all because Roma for anything else it, for even if you, even if you don't love it, you can watch that movie on mute and just appreciate its fucking beauty, Absolutely. and that all comes from. Alfonso Cuaron, and he, you know, he obviously won best cinematographer, best too. cinematographer. So, so yeah, yeah, it's it was it's all there. And then finally, uh, you know, best best film. Mm-hmm. We, we I already kind of we kind of touched on that, kind of touched on that a little bit. Yeah, was not happy with that. I honestly would have been happier with Black Klansman or Black Panther. Okay. Either one of those two. Mm. But we did reach out to our listeners, and I wanted them to give us their feedback. So let's do a question of the week, Jay. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? It just raises too many questions. Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. The answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. I wanted to know, what did you think 
of this year's Oscars. Was there any movie nominated for Best Picture that you truly loved? Was there any film that wasn't nominated that should have been? Let us know. And people did let us know. Movie Reviews in 20 Questions podcast said, I could name about four other films that should have been nominated ahead of some of these. Would have been happy with Roma, The Favorite, or Black Pans- Black Klansman taking it. Wasn't happy with Green Book, pretty much. So he wasn't happy with Green Book winning, and neither are we. Uh, I didn't think Green Book was all that strong, unfortunately. Uh, Let's Rewatch said, definitely Black Klansman for me. It was so well done sean from wdim podcast he said mid 90s man he wanted mid 90s to have been nominated now you saw mid 90s i unfortunately haven't gotten out there to see it yet i am interested in it because i love that i told you to see it yeah i, I love that larry clarkness of it i love the fact that it's 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 right. a lot like kids and that's a film that i really and it's, respect and it's and our enjoy. era that we grew up in absolutely so i do want to see it but do you think that that, that it should have been nominated do you think no, it could have fit into the category not at all because they can nominate up the 10 you you always say it's mathematically impossible not even close (laughs) but there's only eight nominated so they still could have at least nominated one more in there the imdb journey podcast wanted us to know bohemian rhapsody was shit eighth grade and blind spotting should have gotten a nomination now i remember you saw blind spotting i love blind spotting you loved it do you think good enough for to to have been nominated here do you think do you think it could have replaced any of these films it's it's a little indie experimental in some ways where it's I'm, it's hard for me to say that it would actually make it to a best picture nomination okay um i think i had it on my number two or number three for for the year for me uh, i i really did enjoy the hell out of it i can't i don't know i'm not sure i don't know if it should have uh, replaced oh obviously bohemian rhapsody i mean just take that one out <laughs> just take that one out <laughs> just take that one out all together the Contrarians podcast said Team Roma here. So they're Team Roma all the way. And they wish that the eighth grade had gotten a little bit of Oscar love, which I thought was a little bit surprising that it didn't since it got so much Golden Globe love. Yeah, a little surprising, a little surprising. But I think a lot of older members um, in the Academy just can't really get it. You know, it's eighth grade girls, modern technology. They probably don't even have a fucking iPhone. Uh, Matt Wash wanted us to know that he enjoyed Black Klansman very much, but he watched Bohemian Rhapsody and thought it was meh. And I think story-wise, Bohemian Rhapsody's meh. But music-wise and and acting from Rami Malek, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, so and I think I think it was well represented in those categories. I don't think it needed to be nominated for Best Picture though. Uh, Wesley Younger of the VA VHS podcast, my uh, co-host and partner who does Good Morning Mo's Isley with me, he said fake outrage over fake awards given by fake ass people. He's he, he's going after my heart here because he knows exactly how I feel, feel about awards. I fucking hate him. <laughs> the St. Paul film cast said he was rooting for Black Klansman. Funny, smart, poignant, well-written, and acted highly relative to now Lee's best since Malcolm X. And I think that's 100% true. I think this was Spike Lee's best film since Malcolm X. And my favorite Spike Lee film is Do the Right Thing. And I think this was just as poignant and sure. had as much to say as, yeah. as, as that did. So... I still think it winning best adapted screenplay was was justified. I would have preferred to have seen it win best picture though, because I did enjoy that a whole lot more than Green Book. Drew over at the Real Feels podcast said, "Can you ever forgive me?" was a fantastic film, and he was sad to see it wasn't at least nominated for best film. You saw that? Do you think it should have been nominated for uh, best film? I think it could have. Okay. It could have. It was really well done, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't carry that kind of weight. 
that I think um, an Academy Award nominated best picture movie usually has. Fair enough. Uh, by Curian, I also don't think they. Um, I also don't think they they really campaigned for that movie too hard, <laughs> if at all. It was all for Richard E. Grant, um, right. for best supporting actor, and and Melissa McCarthy for the acting. Yeah, you know. Uh, by Curian said he was really rooting for Black Panther to win. It was so powerful, so well done, and I loved it. While I knew Black Panther wasn't going to win, I was happy to see it nominated here because I too. do think sure. it's one of the best Marvel films, if not the best Marvel film that has come out. And I think it's the first Marvel film that actually had a real or at least attempted to have a real message behind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it, it didn't it didn't just have a message or attempt to have a message. It delivered on it as well. And and I and I think it just being nominated is is, is good in and of itself. Duty over at the Shake and Not Nerd podcast, he said, Ah, where the fuck was Creed 2? Oscar worthy performances and extras were on point. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's right, Jay. You were an. Where's extra- my residual check? Where's yeah, if, if, yeah. Seriously, I don't think Creed two could have been nominated for best film. However, I do think that Michael B. Jordan could have been nominated for for a best actor for this. Or- if they lit me better, I think <laughs> they could have gotten in. You know, <laughs> but and, and, and even Stallone could have gotten another best supporting actor nomination here because I thought his performance in Creed two was better than his performance in Green in Creed one. I think I agree. I think I agree with that. But I think the I I think why wasn't and, and this I was wondering this why wasn't Michael B. Jordan nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Black Panther? Because I feel like that's the performance that he could have won an Oscar for. Because his performance Disney of that gave film, up on that on that uh, on that bandwagon. Really, they just kind of stayed with the Black Panther for Best Picture nomination. Damn, because um, I think he could. I, I don't know whether he would have won, but I think he would have. They, had a they initially started there. campaigning for it, and and they just they just stopped. Maybe because they just realized, or they just did the math. They probably just realized there was no shot. There Fair was enough. no point. The Bit Geek podcast said he thought eighth grade was very unfairly ignored because it was fantastic. Uh, Tom Hanks Defense Force said Jack says beautiful boy and widows. Both of them were snubbed. Neither one of them got. Uh, I could I could see Timothy Chalamet being nominated for say, you I, know. I saw a beautiful boy. I that's about it. I was not crazy about it. No. Um, the. It's just they're too bleak of a film, uh, both of them. Not and, only and, that. And Widows, I didn't care about any of the women in the movie. The characters were so I mean, bland. Come on, drug addiction stories, that's so That's so 1990s. We're over this, or early 2000s. <laughs> the Academy doesn't care about those. It's a movie. Oh, I mean, Beautiful Boy. Yeah, I'm talking about Beautiful Boy. Sorry. Yeah. I never wanted to see Widows. I don't care about Widows. I'm never going to see Widows. I, I did, but... Wasn't happy, but maybe someday you can assign me. You can sign me for a movie homework, and I can watch it. Like I finally got around to seeing Sicario no, six years later. Like <laughs> All right, Leonardo Matar Montiero. He said, "Sensei, James Wan for Aquaman." That sh- Aquaman should have been nominated, and I think for sure it should have been at least nominated for costumes, design, and effects. And I'm surprised it wasn't nominated in one of those categories. I, I however, however, it being nominated for for best picture, best director, best adapted screenplay, any of that stuff, no. Absolutely not. Um, he went on to say a little bit more uh, bashing Marvel and stuff like that, bashing Disney, calling it uh, the Disney cancer and stuff. I don't respond to that stuff. I just don't. I don't get into it. I don't get into the whole war between the two. I want good movies from both of them, period. And that's it. Yeah. 
and one of them is making better movies than the other one. Not saying who. <laughs> Everybody knows. <laughs> Jessica Buda said A Quiet Place and First Man should have been nominated for Best Picture. Thank you. Uh, I definitely agree. I think uh, First Man, I literally just watched it again. I actually bought it. Um, I realized that this movie was horribly, I think all horribly the, ignored. For I think the all the sound editing that was done on it was was phenomenal was How's yeah the, i think those were justified I was cursing wins. like a sailor when bohemian rhapsody won both of those categories and but thank god it won for best visual effects or something it they, they won one award thank, yeah. thankfully but just in general though i mean at the very least it still deserved to be a nominee for best picture because it definitely I think so was it was warranted I think it's so a too. great movie and i'm getting more and more out of it the more i see it i mean i've only seen it three times but still <laughs> i mean i've only seen it three times. <laughs> hey man look I, I really did like it i saw i saw annihilation um a bunch of times this year you know it's my favorite film of the year I however i recognize that that's not a best picture nomination but its score should have been nominated for best I, score. I think I agree with you. Man. Bong, 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 bong. I loved it. I did. Bong, bong. Very cool. And at the very end, that scene. Oh, oh my god! It's morphing. So good. So good. Oh my god! It's it's so loud, and I, I remember it echoing in the theater. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Oh, this is so awesome. Every bass beat's giving me a new orgasm. This is amazing. <laughs> no, that that score should have been nominated, and and and, and, and in my mind, one that was that was the that was the film score of the year. So that is what you guys thought of the Oscars. That is what we thought of the Oscars. I know Jay will continue sucking Oscar dick all day long up until next year. He's gonna have to wipe all the gold off around the side of his lips <laughs> me however i still think they were pretty shit i don't i still don't care in fact jay i didn't care about the oscars so much that right ar- right around the time true detective season finale was coming on i shut the oscars off <laughs> i still recorded the oscars but what i did was i just fast forwarded through all the shit i didn't care about because yeah. there's so much of that it's three and a half hours long true. no one needs it true no one needs it true <laughs> So coming up next, I got a five-minute-ish review to do for How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. There were dragons when I was a boy. Where they went... Only a few know. Our story changed the world forever. We did it! The world's first dragon Viking utopia. Hey, bud, wait up! Oh my god, he's not the only one. She's a light fury. Toothless has a girlfriend. I've hunted every night, Fury, except yours. Hand him over. I will never give him up. Then I will destroy everything you love. We are no longer safe here. We all have to disappear completely off the map. We have to fight for their freedom. Come on, buddy. You're nothing without your dragon. Attack! 
Show them what you got, bud. So the synopsis goes like this. Hiccup and his band of merry dragon riders have experienced a prolonged time of peace after the events of How to Train Your Dragon 2. Hiccup is now the chief of Burke, which has become a utopia of sorts for dragons and humans alike. That is until Hiccup and the citizens of Burke must leave after running afoul of yet another group of dragon hunters. Oh, Toothless has a girlfriend, too. Ooh. All right, Jay. So. How to Train Your Dragon. I absolutely love this series. Like, first and foremost, I want to get that out of the way because I feel like I'm not sure I might have some some bias in going into this review because I do love that this this series so much. I really do love the characters and it's something I've bonded with my daughter over um, with the first two entries and you know we both love the series. She doesn't call it How to Train Your Dragon. She just calls it Dragon Movies, but <laughs> yeah. She gets it. And Logan did come with me and my wife to see it in the theater. Um, it's not that How to Train Your Dragon 3 is a bad movie. The animation is fantastic. The voice actors are all great as well. I mean, this voice cast, I just find a lot of them charming at this point. Jay Barishaw, America Ferreira. F. Murray Abraham plays the villain this time around. Kate Blanchett, Gerard Butler, Craig Ferguson, Jonah Hill, Christopher Mintz Plus, Kristen Wiig, Kit Harrington. You get it. Anything with Craig Ferguson. <laughs> Anything with Craig Ferguson. I'm on board. <laughs> so you get it. The voice cast is is pretty darn great as well. And this time, it being the third film in the series, the characters feel extremely well worn and and kind of like comfortable. You know, you kind of feel like you're coming home from college for the holidays and everyone seems to be right where we left them just a little older their mission has remained exactly the same they are still fighting against those that would do harm to dragons pretty much and um i i think that is is one of the nice things about the film like i talked about the voice actors oh this is the third time around for a lot of these voice actors they feel really comfortable with these characters and you know you can't picture anyone else being them, with the exception of T.J. Miller, who was dropped in this movie. He's no longer back for the third one. And I think we all know why T.J. Miller isn't back in the kids' film. Yeah. <laughs> so they are still fighting off people who capture, kill, or do harm to dragons. And it's in that capacity that they meet their next villain, Grimmel. And, and he was voiced by F. Murray Abraham, who has a fantastic voice. Just an absolutely fantastic voice. Um, and his... This character, Grimmel, uses different tactics than we have seen others use before to catch dragons. But as a villain, he's not all that impressive. Uh, even up to the final showdown, I was not impressed with him as a villain. Nor did I really feel that the weight of of his prowess at all. They did try to do like sort of like this interesting thing where he is kind of like the the reverse of Hiccup. You know, he found the Night Fury once and killed it where Hiccup found the Night Fury and saved it. So they kind of they, they kind of do like these two sides of the same coin. It's like duality. Like this villain is is the opposite of Hiccup. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. very easily the, the villain that Hiccup could have become. Um, but the final act of the film felt really rushed and Grimmel seemed pretty quickly dispatched to allow for more of a final ending for the characters. And at least for me. It got a little emotional. So while the villain may not have been impressive, the conclusion of the film was like those final 10 minutes. I I really found endearing and uh, it felt right. It felt emotionally gratifying and it felt finite. Like I felt watching this. It's not going to be touched again. This is it. How to train your dragons over. And if it isn't, I'm going to be pretty upset because they okay. ended it in, in a way that was 
pretty fitting. Uh, so, how to train? Well, that's the- what they say about Toy Story. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, Toy Story three should not be. That should be the end. That should right? be the end. And now we have a fourth one coming I, out this year. But how to train your dragon three is all about that final step taken into adulthood. You know, when the film starts, Hiccup and his friends are adults. They are adults in age only but they haven't completed their full metamorphosis into adulthood. And when the film concludes, you feel satisfied on their overall story arc collectively. It's fitting because the original film came out in 2010 and here we are now in 2019. And many of those kids are in their late adolescence to early adulthood. So the film seems to have emotionally grown along with them as well. Overall, the film itself is great. It just has some, some minor flaws in it. You know, uh, how many times can you do people hunting dragons and these guys stopping them and keeping and keeping it interesting. The real interesting part of this was Hiccup coming into his own and also his dragon Toothless coming into his own. And how would you rank the three? Oh, very easily. How to Train Your Dragon 2, How to Train Your Dragon 1, How to Train Your Dragon 3. Okay. <laughs> how to Train Your Dragons 2. That's that's where uh, Hiccup's at the end of his adolescence and learns to deal with great loss. Mm. So uh, it's, yeah. Okay. Enough I, said. I give I give How to Train Your Dragon the Hidden World an A minus, where I think I gave the original one an A and the second one an A plus. So they're all A's. They're all A's, you know. Look, I, I'm impressed. I mean, I know this is a beloved series for you. It is. It really is. And yeah. I understand, you know, the the villain that they used and stuff like that. I just felt like they didn't sell it enough on me, but I'm an adult watching this and I'm and I'm an adult reviewing this. My daughter loved it. She didn't give a shit about any of that stuff. That's a good point. Toothless still flew. He and and there was another Toothless. There was a Night Fury and there was a Light Fury. And and you know, my my daughter just she just kept saying, That's Toothless's girlfriend. That's Toothless's <laughs> girlfriend. And I was like, it is. Yes, calm down. She's like, Toothless has a girlfriend. Like, she's just excited to see a new yeah. dragon, right? Yeah. Like, where, where me, like, I'm kind of picking it apart in, in different ways. But I still think it's enjoyable. I, I think if you like the other ones, you have to go see this one. I think you should go see it in, in the theater. We saw it in digital. Totally worth it. Absolutely fantastic visuals in it. And the animation's still on point. And kind of sad to see it go, but it's one of those things where, like, after watching this one, I was like, it's time. So who has a better beard, you or the lead actor? Oh, he only has a beard at the end, Jay. Oh, at yeah. the end. Yeah, this is my adulthood beard. That's <laughs> that's Hiccup's adulthood beard. <laughs> I grew this when I became an adult and got married. Uh, he gets one when he becomes an adult, so... Okay. <laughs> All right, so coming up next, me and Jay got to get to some beer reviews and shed an indie pod spotlight on another fantastic podcast. Let's get some beers because I'm fucking thirsty. Welcome back to the beer segment. Me and Jay got two beers that we are going to be reviewing for you. But before we do that, we got to drop a line to our sponsor, Blowfish. Blowfish is the only FDA-approved hangover cure. What it is, is it's two tablets that you drop into 8 to 12 ounces of water. You drink that water down, and your hangover starts to feel better. So if you went to a comedy show like Jay did, and you got heckled so badly that you just had to drink the pain away, and then you wake up with a little bit of a hangover the next day, you want to make sure that you have yourself some Blowfish on 
hand. Head over to 4hangovers.com and use the promo code SMBFISH to get your 15% off. All right, Jay, before we start reviewing our beers, we are still showing some love to the lady pods. We got we got another podcast that is hosted by all women, and this podcast is part of our PodFix network. This is the Two Girls on a Bench podcast. Yes. Let me have them tell you what they're all about. Hi, this is Two Girls on a Bench, the podcast. So we're two writers who tend to procrastinate just a bit. We like to snack. We like to talk. We don't have time to write, but we have time to do this podcast. We certainly do. Join us on the bench. Listen in. At number two, Girls on a Bench. All right, so that's two girls on a bench. And that's exactly what they're all about, Jay. They are two professional writers who, uh, you know, we all know about writer's block. We all know that writers sure. uh, can't always be on. They can't always be producing content all the time, I mean, unless they're Stephen King. Then, then, then they apparently can always be producing new content. But this is what they do in their free time when they're not writing. This is how they procrastinate doing their job. I love it. So they they, they do snack challenges. Uh, they do a lot of listener feedback, listener questions, and stuff like that. Very cool. And it's just it's just two lovely ladies having a chat. You can't get much better than that. Generally, right? you know, I, I, I like <laughs> I, I like to think they're, they're they're like us. You know, they have they, they sit around bullshit. Yeah, drinking. Drinking, maybe. <laughs> they just kind of recorded a little bit more. They're both mothers, so that that, that bleeds into the show a okay. whole lot. But I thought I found it interesting. Last week we we talked about someone who read. Uh, you know, their podcast was all about reading books. It's a podcast. It's all about writing, sort of. <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> An afternoon glass of uh, Chardonnay, maybe. And, Absolutely. You know, some spilled apple juice on their uh, dress. You know, I don't know. So make sure that you check out Two Girls on a Bench. You can find them on iTunes and any other podcatcher. You can also check them out over on podfixnetwork.com. All right, Jay, we got two beers that we got to review. Why don't you tell everyone about the beer that you're drinking? I have Foreign Objects Wet Gravity. It is a new American hoppy ale. 7% alcohol by volume. Wet gravity sounds like fat people having sex. I love it. I, <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> I love this company. It's so great. And the beer again is is um, very, very, uh, very juicy. It reminds me of summer again. It's like this beautiful, hazy, unfiltered kind of ale that... Uh, just hits my mouth in all the right ways. It's slightly dry hopped and it has a lot of great kind of fruity flavors to it. There's some mango flavor in there. I know some passion fruit and it really goes down smooth. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to give it a 4.25 out of five. All right, man. And I am drinking the licking whole Creek craft brewing companies. Say what? <laughs> Juicy Indian pale ale. And it's a fun can. Lickin' Hole Creek is out of Goochland, Virginia. I can't, I can't tell if like if they're just fucking with us or if Virginia has fucked up names like Pennsylvania does. Because because uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania has Middlesex, Blue Ball, Bird in Hand. And, like we got all these, we got all these very sexual innuendo. Transylvania, yeah. <laughs> Transylvania. That's not that's not in Pennsylvania. Oh. That's not for real. Mm. That's uh that's in Eastern Europe. Okay, it's actually a real place. <laughs> I know it is somewhere. <laughs> Somewhere. I just figured it was in Pennsylvania, you know. <laughs> I, I was going to say point to Transylvania on a map, and then I was I should just say point to Eastern Europe on a map. Let's see if you can find that. <laughs> All right. So, so look at Whole Creeks. You lost me at Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> Juicy Indian Pale Ale, man. This thing smells 
absolutely delicious. It is extremely floral hopped up front. You get a little bit of that bitterness up front, but uh, it, it finishes out really smooth. It's got a beautiful caramel finish, and it has a lot of citrus notes because that's how you get all that juicy flavor up in you. I probably, uh, I'm, I'm not going to sing its praises quite like you were singing yours. Uh, I, I think this is like a four, man. I, I enjoy it. I, I think the bitterness is a little bit heavy up front. A little too front. jarring. Okay. A little, little too heavy up front. And it doesn't, it doesn't finish off with that, with that nice, crisp, dry finish for like an IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is very juicy. And I do, I do like that. They definitely put some craft into this one. So I, I, I do like it, but I'm, I'm going to be giving it a four. All right, Jay, me and you got another top five to do. This time we are going to be doing top five movie endings, our favorite top five I'm movie excited. endings. This, this is a, a great category, and I think it kind of sh- it reminds you that a lot of your love for a movie sometimes hinges on a great ending. And I know from me... You'll see in my top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. We're going to talk about all that when we get over and we start doing our top five movie endings. Jay, we may have been disappointed in the ending of True Detective Season 3, but these films did not let us down in their ending. We're going to do our top five movie endings. Now, a lot of times a movie doesn't hinge on its ending, but an ending can really improve an overall watching experience, especially an ending when it kind of blows you away or it just ends on that perfect, powerful, emotional point that the movie's been trying to make the entire time. These are all films that had had fantastic endings. So let's get started with you, Jay. What is your number five ending? Lost in translation. For relaxing times, make it Centauri time. That's a fantastic ending, and it almost made my list, so. Yes. Oh, boy, this movie. I... To be honest, I'm just going to just say right off the bat, this these five movies are like up on my all time list. You know, like they're 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 all they're all there. Like in that field, same same know, same with they're me. in that wheelhouse. Same so, with me. Yeah, this is an adored movie for me. Um, I think the chemistry between Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson is just um, perfect. And it's, I think it's I, just exquisite. I think the ending is extremely appropriate for the relationship that they built and everything it's like that. Extremely appropriate. It was very respectful. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's what I'm getting. Very yeah. fitting in this world, and it was nice to see the improv, which it really was improv. The whispering uh, line whisper yeah. at the very end that you can you can hear barely hear them whispering something, but you cannot make it out what they say. And I highly, if you want to look it up and and try and do some kind of digging on the black web or whatever you want to call it to find out exactly what he says, don't. Just don't. Well, I I, I thought it, I heard an interview with him where he literally just went in her ear and said honestly, nothing I've, to I've, her. I've heard a couple things, and and I I hundred percent will stand behind. You don't want to know. Fair enough. And it worked did he, perfectly. Did he I thought say, it was a perfect ending. Did he say you have a sweet can in those see through panties you were wearing? Because that's what I would say to her. I would too. Uh, but no. But honestly, <laughs> it, like, it was one of those things where like yeah. But as the movie was slowly ending. 
And then all of a sudden, boom, you get this improv, like, like instant, like, cause you, we, we didn't feel closure, you know, in the movie. We're like, no, don't end like this. No, it just didn't feel satisfying. And then all of a sudden, he spots her and he jumps out of the car and runs after her. And then, like, they just do an embrace and he whispers something. And you can just tell it was enough. It's very and, much like. You just, oh my God. It, I, 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 I adored that ending. I, it was very surprising. It was so satisfying because originally I was getting nervous because I didn't think it was going to end with a bang. And then it did. So it was very much, it was very much a like summer vacation, like, only, not even romance, but like friendship between them. Sure. You know, you, when you have a summer fling, it's it's like it's very um, I'm a sucker for those kind of films. It's 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 very hot. Like it's very you know what I mean. And I don't mean hot like sexy. I mean like you're you're very all about each other. And you 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 become very engrossed within each other for a very short period of time. And uh, yeah, I I think that perfectly portrayed it. And I I think you're right. It is an extremely appropriate ending, an extremely poignant ending, and some and an ending that people still talk about to this day. All right, my number five is a film that I kind of like grew up with. It's one of those movies where like I have movies that i watched with my dad i had movies that i watched with my mom this is one of those movies that i watched with my dad and i don't think i really started to appreciate it for what it was until i got a lot older and it's the godfather this one time i let you ask me about my affairs Just that ending of the original Ooh. Godfather, where it's all my honorable mentions. It where where K is just right, but but it's, also is the second movie because that is also I was not so that one's not as poignant for me because for me Godfather Godfather Part One, it was Michael you know his entire relationship with K was built on that first conversation. That's my family, K. That's not right, me. Right, and then he right. he he proceeds to then almost unwillingly get thrust into the role of the of the head of the family whether he wanted to or not and it turns out he's really fucking good at it like he's just good at it and he he becomes engrossed in it and it becomes such a part of his life power right and then by the by the end when you know Kay is just she's kind of like just looking back and she's like how did we get here and she's looking and he's behind that desk and the the other mobsters are standing around him in their suits and then one just walks up and quietly shuts the door in her face and it's like but no but but not before he kisses his hand right you know and and just her just taking a quick first little glimpse of just how much power he's But not only that, it's it's symbolic for their relationship where she's never going to have him fully. True. They are never going to be fully in with each other because he's always going to have a part of his life that's not part of her life yeah and i i thought that 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 ending is extremely powerful and it's not any type of ending that really would resonate me until i'm older now right like it's kind of like when you come over and my wife's still talking to me and we slowly shut the podcast studio door in her face (laughs) (laughs) That's great, hon, but you never asked me about business. (laughs) 
Oh my god. Yeah. All right, Jay, what's so your true. what's your number four? Oh man. Um Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Why remember a destructive love affair? Here at Lacuna, we have perfected a safe, effective technique for the focused erasure of troubling memories. In a matter of hours, our patented non-surgical procedure will rid you of painful memories and allow you a new and lasting peace of mind you'd never imagined possible. Is there any risk of brain damage? It's on a par with a night of heavy drinking. Nothing you'll miss. It's it's not a, no, it's not a bad choice. It's just it's it's, a, it's it's kind of a risky choice. Are all your endings going to be sad? Are they all sad? I need to know. <laughs> um, no. Okay, good. But uh, well, my, my number three one is, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but not the two and one. But anyway, so but no, I said no. It's up. It's kind of bittersweet, right? Because the ending, they choose to give it another go. You know, they find out that they both erased each other's um, memories from from you know from their previous relationship. And they you, confront each other. You do realize the it's, ending of this movie is terrible. An, is an allegory for for emotionally and physically abusive relationships, right? I do. Okay. <laughs> I, and and the more I try, I try. Look, it's actually the reason I kept it off my list because I, I was like, I choose not to um, keep that in my head. <laughs> okay. You know, because I love this movie. How many women do you think so have erased you? Like, if this was possible, how many women do you think would erase you from their memory? Oh, actually, a lot. Yeah. I mean, for you, it's very easy. You go to sleep, you wake up, you you've pretty much forgotten. Well, it's not necessarily <laughs> true. I I actually there would be there would be um, two or three ex girlfriends that I know I really apparently and I found out later on I, I kind of fucked up. Uh, they they took it really hard. So really not good to know. I did not like hearing that at all from a mutual friend I bumped into randomly at a like of course, all places a wedding and she's like you know so whatever happened I'm like you know I just, got I just bored. gave like whatever reason and like and she's like she was destroyed for like I'm like fuck you why are you telling me this <laughs> I don't need to hear this and whatever but anyway so this movie is obviously I'm sure a lot of people or I hope have seen this movie and if you haven't please go see it it is wildly all over the place. It's disjointed. Um, you have to piece it together. And then when the film comes to a conclusion, I love that they just, they're like, fuck it. We love each other. There's some kind of bond. There's some kind of chemistry. Let's just, we, we know all of our baggage. We know all of our shit. We heard it all. We heard the confession tapes. Fuck it. Let's just do it. And then it ends with this loop of them on the, on the, uh, on the beach in the snow. Yeah. And I just thought it was so beautiful. It's, I, I love the movie. It's one of those Michelle Gondry films that's the most accessible also. So True. True. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah. 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 I, and and it's, it's Be Kind Rewind was is like a set but like that one almost well, gets into a realm of weird that like most people can't a, most people can't go down that road. <laughs> is, is that classified as a movie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a movie. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a movie in in, in any other sh- you know it, it, in format. No, <laughs> it's, there's no movie format. It's for that. certainly bold. It, it was, uh, but yeah, I think I, I think you're right. Um, but like I said, like I kept it off my list because, like, to me, I'm a pessimist. So, like, when I watched this, I was like. Well, they're they're in for a world of pain in a couple months. Only to show back up at that doctor's doorstep to have yeah, their maybe. have their memories erased all over again. Maybe. All right, Jay. My number four ending is 
the zombie film that started it all, man. It's Night of the Living Dead. All right, Vince, hit him in the head, right between the eyes. Good shot. Okay, he's dead. Let's go get him. That's another one for the fire. The reason I chose this is because Night of the Living Dead is this movie where it it takes all of humanity's faults and puts them in one house and asks them to survive the zombie apocalypse. And after everybody is gone and, and nobody has, nobody's made it. Our main character has. And as he pops his head out of the, of the cellar that he's been hiding in a good old boy, a redneck shoots a black man in the head and kills him because he thought it was a Walker. He only saw the top of his head. They had been going in there, clearing out, clearing out zombies. And he shoots the main character in the head very unceremoniously as well. You know, there's no, there's no fanfare to it. There's no big musical number as his body slumps to the ground or anything like that. It's just almost no sound. You hear him cock the gun and the trigger gets pulled and down goes the main character. He's done. It's over with. To me, that was always so shocking because like I watched the movie. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I am happy that he survives and right, stuff like right. that because he's the only character in the entire movie who, who really put his shit together and, and, and had the right to survive and then he just dies so unceremoniously. And then throughout the credits, they're showing the the rednecks who have you know the the good old boys who the militia that went out there to to dispatch the zombies they're burning all the bodies and there's his body there in the foreground just on a pile of other dead bodies and suddenly he's meaningless now mm-hmm. you know where where he was the hero now he's nothing again and i i just to me there was just a lot being said in that ending that wasn't being said and i don't know whether george a romero ever meant to say it with having having a a a african-american male play a lead role like that in 1968 he says he didn't he says he just picked them because he was the best actor for the job and that's why he did it he didn't understand the whole social reasoning behind it but for me you know watching it now with retrospective eyes all of us collectively watch that and we go wow yeah and then it's pretty poignant to have a black man get shot in the head by a, a, a white redneck it, but it it speaks more volumes than just the race aspect as well no, i know um, yeah, that's true it i mean the, the whole the whole film is about the degradation of humanity and i don't think it was ever more poignant than the it hero was powerful for yeah, you too you know yeah. i mean then the hero it made, getting it made a killed. lasting impression right then the hero getting killed and then just being lumped in with the rest he's sure, just sure. there with the rest of the bodies and, and he's his life is almost meaningless and and that goes again to the degradation of humanity how but, it, but how, exactly that says a lot yeah. about humanity yeah. and about life in, in general too because right. At the very end of it, almost, we all die, yeah, all, and we're all going to be in the ground, and one almost, way or another. almost how like how little we appreciate life in the end. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I love that ending. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite endings. Uh, cool. we're, all right, we're starting to run a little long. We're going to have to start. Uh, we're going to have to start uh, doing these a little in a little bit more rapid fire. So, Jay, you what uh, what's your number three? La La Land and the Academy Award for Best Picture. <laughs> La La Land. Oscar nominations this year and is tied for the most nominated movie in Oscar history, winning seven Oscars, production design, cinematography, original score, song, directing, actress, and best picture. I'm sorry. No. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. I I knew this could not not be on your list. (laughs) Yeah. Damien Chazelle knows how to end a movie. And, uh, 
This one was a bit of a surprise. It was a doozy. And the whole last, I guess it was probably a sequence of about 15 minutes when there's a reveal. Uh, when Emma Stone's character is not with Ryan Gosling five years later or whatever. And then stumbles into his old club and then hears him play while rehashing a fantasy sequence of them living their lives together if they ever did stay together and it was so bittersweet and and so perfectly well done and so creative as much as i Um, didn't like this movie i did like its ending everybody loved the ending because (laughs) it gave you it gave you as the audience a a look into the character's wish fulfillment and it was your wish fulfillment as well exactly and then reality reality but that is that but is reality. The very end, but, the, but then at the very end, that nod, that's that was what sealed the deal and put the icing on the cake because yeah, she just left. They didn't talk to each other, but like there was that recognition, like, you know, we were there, there's still to, love there, there's still respect there. We were important to and, each other once. <laughs> and good for you, you know? Because yeah. obviously she's a you know world renowned movie star see, now, now because she's got, on the fucking now walls. you got me worried because when we went to go see how to train your dragon three my wife's ex-boyfriend was actually sitting behind us and they had they, they shared the fuck out they shared here. a similar like little head nod really yeah is that all it was <laughs> i don't know she did disappear for about five minutes <laughs> if he lasted more than five minutes he's already doing better than i am <laughs> Oh, man. All right, Jay. My number three is the Stephen King adaptation, The Mist, directed by Frank Darabont. That's a good honorable mention for me too. I had that on there. I love I did I love oh, this gosh. ending because it's on my list because it's a gut punch. It's an ending that A, it's a gut punch, but B, it it's an ending that was better than the the source material's ending. And even Stephen King says so. You know, having him have to make the choice between, you know, who he kills and who he doesn't kill and Every, it's their last hope. At the time, it's like he made the right call. If that ended with him getting eaten by a creature and stuff like that, and we never saw the army come to rescue him, and he killed his son, and I guess you could say, like, you know, the, at least a friend, the woman that he was with the entire time, you know, he kills both of them, and then he gets killed by monsters. We would all go, all right, you did the right thing, man. Like, there was there was no better outcome than that. But, but it, it could have been a lot more forgettable, too, right, right. in the long run. But, but now then, it's but, on our fucking list all these years later. But then if he had just waited 10 seconds, mm-hmm. the, the cavalry would have come in and he would have been saved. And that's just, it's just such a, it is a very morose ending. Like, it is very morose. And it, it feels. I love it. It's so fucked up. It's terrible. It it's, feels it's, so wrong. It, to love it so much yeah, for how it made I, you I feel. Understand. I, I remember coming out of the theater with me and my me and my my good friend Kenny. We left the theater after watching that and we both just went what the fuck man? Like like and both of us told like we we I was like do you want to go get food? He goes no, my stomach's in knots and I was like so is mine. Like I just feel physically sick. Yeah. And yeah. it's like the, the 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 physical way that that ending made me feel 
a, like to have it resonate emotionally with me so much that it made me feel physical harm. I was like, dude, that's how can you not put that on a list? But also, you know, ha- it was just so well shot too. It was. It was. It could have been uh, mishandled. And I think Thomas Jane sold it. You know, I think he might. He have, I think he might have oversold it a little bit, mm. but. I think I think he sold it well enough because I don't think any of us have been in that position to to know how we would emotionally react to it. I, so. I don't think he oversold it. I really don't. Think about it. If you're in that kind of situation, Fair I mean, enough. and then something just such a jarring thing like that th- would happen again, that you had to do yourself, and then find out all of a sudden the shock of, you know, you're fine, you're safe, and then what just happened. You would lose your fucking mind. Spoiler warning for no one who's seen The Mist, by well, the way. <laughs> yeah, well, seriously. It's been, uh, what, what's it been, like 15 uh, years? I, I think I'm safe to spoil whatever the fuck it, I want. It's, it's on them, you know? All right, Jay, what is your number two before we get into honorable mentions? Oh, this is where it gets hard. I'm actually going to do with something I normally don't do. I'm actually going to go with um, what I think is the best one for my number one instead of what I think is the most uh, nostalgic one for me. So number two is Before Sunset. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baby, you are going to miss that plane. I know. Okay. Yeah. Before Sunset, um, it's one of my favorite movies. Obviously, the trilogies of all time. And aren't you going to miss your plane? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I love that, baby. I, you're going to miss your plane. I know. I know. And he just sits and and he just laughs and watch her watches her dance like does some funky little uh, waltzy music. And I literally just watched this movie uh, last night um, when I was putting my list together. And God. It, it it still gets me. It's weird it still gets that me. it does romance in that way that like an 80s film would do where the guy runs to the terminal and stuff like that. It does it without all that terminal stuff. It does it without uh-huh. all that. He 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 misses his flight because he because he, he decided to stay put. put yeah, yeah. And he just he's 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 trying to drain every last drop of time with her until I don't think his mind was made up until that minute in that movie. I don't think he ever intended on staying until uh, that moment. Every time I watch this movie, I, I never actually thought about that. I never really thought about that. I don't. I don't think his mind was made up until that minute. I see. I. I, I actually took it. Um, he knew the moment he saw her in the cafe in the no, bookstore. I think. I think he. He was. This was his fantasy. He I, finally got to see his girl. See, and, I think. And I think was, different. I think he was chasing that. That feeling that he had in before midnight again. Um, he was chasing. I'm sorry, but before sunrise, I think he was chasing that moment again. Um, and once he was there again and and reliving it, he decided it's just it's just better to be here. Why try to recapture it? Why not live it every day? But and also, we find he had we, to sacrifice with the brother or his son. His son, his you son, know, he wanted right. to be a part of. Right. And 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 sacrifice. we see the ramifications of that in Before Midnight. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, this is a fantastic pick, man. I, I'm loving this because all of the picks you have are ones that I could easily have on my list. Though all the ones you have are ones you could easily have on your list. Uh, but my number two, Jay, is the thing. Fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. Won't last long, though. Neither will we. How will we make it? Maybe we should. If you're worried about me, 
If we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Wow. This ending is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I, there's so many theories about this ending. Who, you know, who is the thing at the end? Are either of them a thing? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because both of them freezing to death out there in the cold is the only way to stop the thing. Yeah. And, you know, there's just that, that ultimatum of like neither one of them can go anywhere. They're both just stuck there. And you're left with that feeling of like, that's it. They they both die like they're they're both done. Mm-hmm. Now there there's comic books that say to the contrary that they that 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 they don't both die. You know, Childs and McCready both get out and continue their adventure with the creature. Uh, I prefer to leave it at the movie. While I did enjoy the comics for what they were, I prefer to leave it at the movie yeah. because just the way that this movie felt and the way that it makes you feel at the end, it's the perfect ending for the tone of the film. Like, it's just so perfectly done, and it left so much – I don't want to say it's open, but it left so much to interpretation that – um and it did it right. Like, a lot of times films will leave the ending up to interpretation, and it's not done right here. It, it's it's done right. You know, it, it doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like a cop-out. It feels like the only way that it can end. Uh, well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, especially after seeing all the events played out in the movie, yeah. it's it's just inevitable, especially where they're at um, economically. I mean, there's just nothing around. It's just fucking yeah. bitter, cold snow. That's it. And there's not even like a building to go back to. No. They can huddle around a gasoline fire until that runs out. But even then. Either way. Yeah. It's just still. Give it's, a little bit of time. They're all dying. It's still over. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I love the finality of that, too. Like, I just love the fact that it's like. It's done. Like it's, it's just done. And that's, that's all there is to it. And, you know, you can make up whatever theories you want about it, but all those theories, it doesn't matter because it ends there, at least until someone thaws one of them out and they are the creature again. And we don't need to see that story though, because the, the story was already done well enough here that yeah, you don't need, you don't need to go back to it. All right, Jay, let's get into your honorable mentions. So my honorable mentions are, are are extremely brief. Um I mentioned it already previously a couple of times. Like the mist obviously is 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 right up there. Uh call me by your name. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice uh bow at the very end and, and having a long, um, interesting one take one shot, no cut sequence of just seeing Timothy Chalamet's close up face, just remembering the history with him and his relationship with uh his uh his previous lover and and seeing that emotion all on one face and then you know there's a lot that i just did not throw on there because there's so many good endings out there um there it's a, in, interpretation it's a, I really, big, it's a big list and it's a big list and i really just try to narrow it down to like a real personal favorite movies kind of thing where like i saw boogie nights on a lot of lists you know boogie nights uh, oh well, you're a star you're a fucking star you're a bright beautiful star look at my dick <laughs> <laughs> i actually never thought about that um 
Yeah, that that's that's kind of that's worthy. That's look, an album. Look at my worthy. look at my look at my subway foot but, long but, dick. But, but honestly, that was like the curiosity throughout the whole film. Like it was that was the whole premise. It was of the payoff movie. at least. It, 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 it was kind of a payoff. You uh, know? Jay, my honorable mentions are Whiplash. I absolutely loved the ending to Whiplash. I remember watching that movie for the first time. I watched it here in the studio. Had you know had the stereo headphones on, just watching him go go to town on the drums, yeah. and to watch J.K. Simmons like at first the rage he was feeling at at him upstaging him and him him taking it over, and then like the pride that J.K. Simmons started feeling because he's like fuck yes, and he just starts like getting into it because he was you know witnessing what he was previously talking to Andrew about exactly. Um, about greatness it, and, and it, how it just might, impossible it is to find. And when you fucking see it, it's like... Looking at most- my list, it's my only one that's not like a sad ending. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's oh, yeah. it's it's actually like a comeuppance ending. It's the ending you want, right? It's the it's the ending that you want, but they do it in such a way that like it feels so poignant and it feels so fucking right and it just feels good. Uh, there will be blood. That ending is just... So I didn't, I didn't love it. So macabre. Oh, I, I, I didn't, didn't love it. I, I didn't love it. it, and I know it's on a lot of people's lists. And I it's, love it's, that. It ending. was. It was. Mm, it's it, just. It just didn't sit right with me for some reason. I don't know why. The ending after he smashes his head in with I the know. bowling pin, and he just. I'm, I'm finished. finished. I know. I get. I. 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 I don't understand why it didn't resonate with me. Jay, it is the definition. It is the definition of stark. It is just stark. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. uh, psycho. What what a fantastic ending to Psycho! Uh, you know, realizing that the killer the entire time has both been his mother and him because he is one in the same. What a crazy little Psycho! It was a very good yeah. ending. Uh, seven. Wow, come on! That's just what's in the that's box. A given, man. What's in the box? And then finally, uh, this one's sci-fi nerdy of me, but Planet of the Apes, Charlton Heston, classic one. Yeah, classic. You blew it up. You maniacs! You blew it all to hell! <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> I, it's a I, great. Not ending. only do I love that, but I also love the Simpsons parody of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. You finally <laughs> made a monkey out of me. Yes, we finally made a monkey out of you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Rock me, Dr. Zayas. Anyway, Jay, what's your number one ending to film? Your favorite number one on, on your list? What do you got? It's Whiplash. Andrew, what are you doing, man? I'll kill you. <laughs> we obviously already just talked about it quite a bit on your honorable mention how list. Do I, um, how do I always do that? My honorable mention. Sometimes it's true, always your number one. Well, maybe not on number one, but it's all usually on my on my list, and it gets yeah. awkward because I'm like, eh, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Um, yeah, another second Damien Chazelle movie on my list. Um, another one of my favorites is, is Denis Villeneuve. He knows how to end movies too, but I, I it didn't quite make my list with his um, endings Blade they Runner, are all fantastic though Blade Runner 2049 is a fantastic ending yes and that again felt just felt right it just yes. fit so well and that's and that's where you do a, that's when you do an ending wrong and he has one of the most controversial endings and enemy 
Um, not many people have seen Enemy. It's a very, very indie movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, just if you're an indie lover, go see it. Just uh, that's all I'm going to say. And then hit hit me up, and we'll talk about it. Well, man, I, um, I only saw Whiplash because of you. Whip, like Whiplash you love this so much that you like you made me go see it. Amazing, and this ending blew my mind. The movie alone blew my mind. It does, it, but this ending was just. Like, I couldn't believe what I witnessed. Like, this was a fucking ridiculous sequence. I know people don't like Miles Teller for a lot of reasons. He's, but people compare him to Shia LaBeouf, I think, sometimes. Because he has that kind of presence and energy on screen sometimes in certain roles. He also, which I get. He also has that great. history of scandal and stuff involving drinking and, and, and alcohol abuse and stuff like Does that he? around him as that. well. Okay. But on top of that, like, dude just puts out some some truly great performances but I, I think of bleed for this you right, know like right. and and that film was fantastic seen that you see that. it's I on know, amazon dude. i know i know i know i i that's my movie homework for next week i promise you right. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna review it so 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 what is about jk simmons and uh and, and, oh, just, and miles teller about this ending it was just genius i mean working all the way up throughout this time they finally see each other they bump into each other um you don't know if each one of them knows that they ratted each other out or he ratted J.K. Simmons out and he lost his job. And then he's like, look, I just got this little gig, you know, on the side. We're doing a little concert show. I need a drummer, you know? And he's like, oh, cool. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd be like, you know, lost time. It's been a while. I'll do it. Um, And guess what happens? He fucks him over because he knew it was him. And he switched up the music, and all he wanted to do was fucking shame him and embarrass him in front of all these prominent music lovers. Which is what he's done to him and everybody else, all of his music students. He's always he he, he he's would always have rather shame. have done that than put on a fucking great show. And yeah. then all of a sudden, Miles, because he is a fucking genius uh, drummer. I mean, you see in the movie, he he puts himself out there for it, and, and it's true. So, and then he just it's it's twofold though, because it's proving that J.K. Simmons' method works. Putting them under pressure, well, putting them under fire, that's is the, how they succeed. That's the discussion, but it also right. proves that. But that, it only works for certain people, though. Right, but but it, it also proves that all the hard work that Miles Teller put into his craft eventually pays off. It's right. twofold. It is. But like for example, my father is JK Simmons essentially in a lot of ways. <laughs> that's pretty that's um, pretty awful. My dad's not. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I I'm not that personality though with Miles. Like I don't have that thing. So that kind of uh personality doesn't I don't respond well to it. I got you. Um, you know, and what, I shut down from it. You know, I become always, more meek, and know, I, that's bluntly honest with me. I know, but like it's yeah. true, and I, I, it just is what it See, is. When, when people do that shit to me, I usually get vindictive and angry. But then when I get vindictive and angry, I'm like, you know what? I'm just show you that I can. And, so, <laughs> and then I'm just proving <laughs> their reverse psychology. <laughs> but <laughs> I understand how certain people it would, um, they would respond from it. And then you see this most phenomenal drumming performance you know what always gets me about this ending blows my mind paul riser the father just, <sighs> that always gets me that was tough yeah um well i mean well yeah i mean tough i guess you can say is the right word maybe but it, it, it but him that quick glance too after in the middle of the sequence when he's killing it yeah his jaw is just dropped like yeah he's witnessing like what the fuck 
Like, I love wow. That. Because his wow. dad had previously told him, like, and maybe, pride too, maybe that's know? enough. Like, I'm done. Like, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe this drumming thing wasn't wasn't you and stuff like that. And it's not that his dad has given up on his son. It's just that his dad wants wants his son to to be happy, wants his son to be successful, sure. and sure. he didn't think that this was a possible anymore to be the drum. And in, sure. in that moment, he's seeing it. And yeah, everybody's witnessing. Yeah. The greatness um, before their eyes, and it was uh, anyway. And I love jazz too, so yeah. uh, you know, guilty pleasure. Awesome movie. We both we both love it. On my honorable mentions, your number one, Jay. My number one. How could it not be a Star Wars movie? <laughs> it's it's the Empire Strikes Back, man. I'll never join you if you only knew the power of the dark side. Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. No. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Everything from that moment when Luke gets his hand cut off to finding out that Vader is his father to rejecting it as a lie. And then just just the way it ends, man, just, you know, Luke is looking out of of a port bay window and the the rebel alliance is mobilizing and they lost. Cloud City is lost. Luke just lost his hand to Vader. He found out Vader's his father. Uh, the Empire is stronger than it was before they blew up the Death Star. And on top of that, they lost one of their own. They lost Han. And watching that movie, uh, you know, I, I can't say like I remember it for my first time because I've watched it when I was like, I started watching those movies when I was like three or four. But like, as I've gotten older, I've gotten like very appreciative of just that final scene uh, of Luke and Leia because it's hopeful for the next one. Sure, it's it's sure. hopeful, but at the same time, it's just like fuck, dude. They like it's it's done. Like they they didn't they didn't do it this time. Where you know the the first one you know Star Wars ended with the explosion with the medal ceremony and dun, 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 everyone's happy yeah. we won the day the Death Star is gone and this one's just like it's very dour it's very very down it's very it's very sad and I don't think I don't think at that time that's what people were expecting it's it's pretty shocking to to kind of go to the movies and realize that your bad guys lost and now it's kind of become it's kind of become a thing where it's like oh they did they Empire Strikes backed it, right? Um, where well, where the, some people argue the Last Jedi ended in a similar someone's way. Someone's got to do it first, Dave. So, so, some people argue that um, you know the decimation, the snap in in uh, Infinity War was very much the same thing. It's like the heroes have lost, and yeah, it's it's a poignant storytelling method, but. Here in, in in Star Wars, with it being done, it just felt so juxtaposed to what you got before that it it it's just nuts almost. And I, it's my favorite Star Wars movie, so obviously that 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 
holds a big reason why it's there, but it's just the way that movie leaves you feeling is not that it's hopeless. It leaves you feeling like the fight's not over. Yeah, the story is continuing. Right. It's we're so not many, over. So many hero stories end with with you know the end of a fight. They may have to go into another fight, but it's the en- it's the end of a fight. But usually they're on the winning side of it. But in this one, they're on the losing side of it. They lost and. It's just it's just a, a strange feeling to go into, and I can only imagine having to wait three years after seeing that to be like, "Damn, you know how are they going to make this all right?" At least with the Last Jedi, there th- there was that symbol of hope at the end of it. With with Empire, the only symbol of hope we got is Luke's getting back on his feet and 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 ready to go again. But other than that, where do you go? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, those are our top five favorite movie endings. Obviously, me and Jay can't fit all the ones that this are was a, extreme. This was a really fun top. It's five. a fun. It's a fun top five, but it you know we could easily do a top twenty oh, sure. of the of the greatest film yeah. endings and talk for hours on but it. Top fives are stick, you know. <laughs> but we don't we don't we don't got time. So I want everybody on Twitter to reach out to us at Super Movie Pod. Reach out to Jay Super Movie Bros Podcast on Facebook uh, and let us know what your favorite movie ending is what just out of all the ones either we named or you have one for yourself just let us know what it is also if you want to check out two girls on a bench podcast head over to our network website podfixnetwork.com or check them out on iTunes or any other podcatcher that you listen to. If you enjoy their podcast, be sure to leave them a five-star review. If you're liking Super Movie Bros, make sure that you leave us a five-star review as well. That's what helps us get seen. That's what helps us get found by other people. That's what helps the show grow. You can also, if you want to help the show grow a little bit more immediately, you can head over to patreon.com slash Podcast and just for one dollar, one measly mother fucking dollars less than a cup of coffee you can save our podcast and you'll get all the extra content that is over there if you want to pledge more we got some other incentives for those that pledge more than just one dollar so make sure you head over to patreon.com slash super movie bros we want to thank our sponsor our sponsor is blowfish the hangover cure you can get your 15 percent off of your blowfish order by going to fourhangovers.com and using the promo code smb fish to get your 15% off. I want to thank all of you for listening. Have a great night. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.